I'm speaking with Bob Stepp, S-T-E-P-P, with Braille 2000. So um, tell me, uh, Bob, what is Braille 2000? Uh, I think most of us in the blind community definitely know about Duxbury for Windows, uh, but we don't really know maybe as much about Braille 2000. Braille 2000 is a Braille production tool. It is simultaneously <coughs> Braille and print. There's no control T. You don't convert the Braille document or print document to Braille. Everything is always Braille in print. You can paste stuff in from the clipboard and instantly becomes Braille. Hmm. The system is used mostly by transcribers. It is JAWS accessible. The is that JAWS accessible through scripting or by, because it's built inherently to be accessible? Probably more accidental. Ah, okay. The, uh, the on-screen components definitely were built to be accessible, but it's never been fine-tuned for JAWS. But the reports are that it's pretty JAWS accessible. Okay. The uh, system is somewhat unique in that uh, for people who are not Braille readers, the print part of the system shows Braille page images in print notation. In other words, oh. print that is carefully positioned to match the way the Braille is positioned, even with contracted English Braille, in which the Braille in print, of course, is not one-to-one -one at all. Right. And to do that, the print is gently stretched and squeezed so that it falls on the screen within the Braille page geometry. No other tool allows you to do that. So if you were a VI teacher or a parent who needed to prepare quick incidental materials and you didn't like to deal with sim braille dots like a transcriber would, this allows you to manipulate print and yet you can see what you're doing as you do it. And you'll know whether the braille pages are properly structured for your purpose or not just by their appearance. Let me understand. So you're reading print, but what you're really doing is seeing a visual representation of how the page is going to be formatted in Braille, in Braille. when embossed. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So does that change if the Braille embosser changes or the paper size changes or something like that? The system will handle all sizes of paper. But, but, but the visual formatting would change? Yes. Oh, is, wow. WYSIWYG, what you see wow. is what you get. But it has automatic page layout mechanisms. So if, if you had prepared the material for 11-inch paper, you can adjust the document and change it to 8.5-inch paper and the text automatically reflows. This includes managing running heads, automated guide word footers, automatic textbook and literary page numbers, and all those things will reflow dynamically and come or go as they are needed. Okay. Including things like automated tables of contents in which if you change the paper width, the presence of guide dots changes appropriately. Okay. So that uh, and as the text reflows, so the system is is fully dynamic and is dynamic in ways that its comp competitor is not dynamic. 
Right. Okay. You, uh, are you saying that uh, Duxbury does not have this uh, dynamic reformatting? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So now I'm a school system, and I bought Braille 2000, and uh, but now I have, you know, I I, I want to hire a VI teacher who is blind. Um, do I? Do they get a job? Do they? Do they get to use this software too? I can't speak as authoritatively to that particular issue, but recent feedback from the Foundation for Blind Children in Phoenix mm -hmm. is that Braille 2000 has been found to be JAWS accessible. So you didn't. And they report that it is more JAWS accessible than is Duxbury. So, but that is their assessment, not mine. So why is why is I mean, on one hand, yes, it is. You know, it may be the case that most people who use it are sighted and they're creating that braille material for blind people. But why isn't it is an assistive assistive technology product? It is in my sandbox as a blind person. Why wouldn't it be deliberately accessible? <laughs> the the control of the system is different, of course, whether you're preparing it for right. mouse activation or right. keyboard activation. Sure. And all elements of Braille 2000 can be accessed from the keyboard. Okay. But there, on top of that difference, there is uh, an ongoing issue of navigation. Okay. So if you start to edit the materials, which you can do either by editing Braille or editing the print, because the system will convert whichever you don't edit to the other. Okay. In other words, you change the Braille, the print is instantly changed. Uh -huh. You change the print, the Braille is instantly changed. Okay. It is not a batch tool. Everything is simultaneously Braille and print, equally right. accessible uh, within microseconds of each other. Okay. Do I just use a keystroke to switch between yes, the views? Do. Okay. Uh, and it has keyboard macros, which okay. can help do more complicated tasks. Okay. Uh, but I have not so far thought to market it for its accessibility okay. until a future release is prepared okay. that will give uh, voice and or refreshable Braille outputs on uh, navigation aids. Okay. In other so words, right where now, where is the cursor? Right. How does the keyboard user know where the cursor is? Okay. And just recently, I have gotten the news from the Foundation for Blind Children yeah. that they have found it to be accessible. Right. Right. And I and, but and I that's appreciated. Not, but I have not seen a demonstration uh -huh. of what they are doing. And frankly, when I heard that, I was slightly surprised. I knew it was basically accessible all along because it had been designed that way. But I also knew that to be totally accessible, we have some of these extra issues. Right. And they are on the to-do list, but they okay. have not been explicitly addressed. Gotcha. And I don't believe the word from the Foundation for Blind Children is not to address those issues. Okay. I believe the word is that they have found uh, workarounds gotcha. to do things. Okay. Um, I would just like to say um, and get your and get your thoughts on this. Um, I come from the I come from the perspective that. 
Um, it's wonderful to have sighted workers in the blindness industry, okay? But that decisions ultimately ought to be made by the people who are affected by the decisions. And certainly, before anybody else should be able to work in our field, our own people should be able to work in our field. In other words, from my point of view, having sighted people in our field at all is a beautiful icing on the cake. Um, not, um, I, I think that only there are certain areas where only a highly competent, confident blind person can really be a good role model for a blind child, for instance. I'm one of those. <laughs> um, so uh, from that perspective, um, one of the things that I have started doing is, as an accessibility advocate or accessibility evangelist, is to um, hold all of the companies that are in our sandbox, in our backyard, to account for accessibility, for being fully accessible. Um, how can we, for example, go around telling people that, well, we had to build this extra software, you know, this Braille software, because your, your book is not accessible, you know what I'm saying, or your document is not accessible. And then, well, the software that we use to make your book or your document accessible is not accessible itself. That, there, there seems to be a, a break there, an, in, an inconsistent uh, break. And so one of the things that I uh, do uh, now is to go around and ask, you know, what, what, how accessible is it now? If it isn't, that's fine. Nobody's perfect. What is, you know, what are steps moving forward to ensure that it continues to be usable by the many sighted people who are in our field, but also starts to be usable by blind people in, in our field, too. Um, I know of, you know... Um, I know of blind people um, in our field who have had great difficulties with some software and some information systems that have been put together, even in this field of, you know, field of educating blind children, for example, or other similar fields, and those systems are not accessible to blind people. It, d does it seem... Does it seem strange, or do you understand what, what I'm saying making sense to you? I understand the comment. <clears throat> In my opinion, uh, your point of view is too extreme. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because if there, <laughs> if everything was accessible, there might not even be textbooks to be converted into Braille. I think the field does have its professional standards, and those relate equally to blind and sighted uh, actors within sure, the field. Sure, absolutely. We, we can agree on that. <laughs> but even though I would temper your point of view, there is absolutely no doubt that the field ought to be equal access, and if not today, at least as the goal. Okay. At, it, it ought to be a possible career path for a person who just happens to be blind okay. to be a transcriber. Okay. And given that it's, by definition, the task of... of uh, altering print materials to be accessible, there is an inherent limitation, but we should not get carried away with that limitation. There are a few decisions in the transcriber job that will require subjective 
sighted viewing of some print artifacts. And we can, and you and I can agree there, by the way. So. But <laughs> there's a whole lot of it in the digital age that can be done working from digital print materials, producing mm. digitized braille materials right. just as well with the right tools by a transcriber who just happens to be blind. Okay. Good. And <laughs> awesome. Braille 2000 has not yet been positioned to be that tool, Okay. but it has always been a goal. All right. And I am again happy to report that the current system, which was developed for sighted transcribers, is reasonably JAWS accessible. Gotcha. There is on the on the books a prototype, more accessible version, okay. which has, for example, speech built in. Because JAWS, for example, does not speak contracted English Braille. Oh, Yet but could a you use a Braille preparation tool? Oh. Can oh. because it's smarter than JAWS. Could you use the AP, the screen reader APIs instead of uh, self-voicing, though? You know, and to send you data could, directly but to the then screen reader. Subordinate to their point of view. I that's, see. That's, okay. I think professional difficulty. Okay. Uh, Fair but enough. the the prototype of Braille 2000 with an inboard speech is really quite nice. And uh, it's not yet available, but it is certainly on the development path. And uh, I do subscribe to your point of view, which is to say uh, every aspect of producing Braille that is currently done by a sighted transcriber should also be possible by someone who needs uh, a different interface just because they happen to be blind. So do you have any blind, um, I mean I would imagine you have some kind of an alpha testing, beta testing, you know, development cycle process going on. Do you have any blind uh, employees in the company or any blind people who are involved in that aspect of the of, of Braille 2000? Um, this company is a small enterprise and you would be surprised but visually impaired computer programmers are hard to recruit because those that are good are already employed and usually by bigger companies with bigger fringe benefit packages uh -huh. and they are not on the market. I have approached a couple of, of very talented people who have computer science degrees who just happen to be blind, who happen to be experts on all things Braille by the fact that they are blind, who would be ideal people for my staff and they're simply not available. Okay, They're well, that's fair enough. Employed, and they don't want to move, and they don't want to relocate, mm -hmm. and they're doing um, scientific or business applications, and they're not even particularly interested in working on on a Braille production system. Sure. I don't think they're hostile to it. No. It's just that it's their, not their, their thing, career yeah. is already going. Yeah, yeah sure, right. It's and, so, and so it is, yeah. uh, it is an interesting phenomenon that 
success for a blind person is just like success for anybody else. Sure. It, it makes them uh, justifiably picky in what they want to do. Yeah, not everybody is, you know, and, and that makes sense, you know. Um, it's, it's too bad that I, you know, for instance, I am not a programmer. I'm more uh, into the, you know, communications aspect of technology. Um, but even if I were a programmer, you know, there are some of us who care mostly about what happens to our blind brothers and sisters but most most are most are you know more more mainstream like you said uh, success which is good we want that's what we want most of the time after all why do we why do why are there people like me who care it's because we want the others to go out into the world right and to do what you're talking about and be already employed successfully so I think that uh, it's also worth having this core group of people who don't really care much about anything else, you know. Right, and let's, let's also not forget that Braille production is already a tiny niche market. Yep. Braille production tools for use by the blind mm. is an even tighter market. Sure. And that is not the final justification. No. The previous comment is the more powerful one. Right. And that is uh, equal opportunity, equal access is simply not to be denied even by market forces. But it does unfortunately mean that a small business like my business has to first address the market that will keep the lights on and pay the bills. Sure. And then we go and fulfill the equal access, equal opportunity mandate by expanding the horizons in, in additional dimensions. So that's the same argument any company uses though, yeah. on accessibility. Yeah, it, it, it has to be, otherwise uh, you go bankrupt and, and you don't well, get what about What about universal accessibility though? So meaning when you do something, right, whenever you do something new, what about having accessibility in as part of core DNA? The systems such as uh, this fully dynamic combination print and braille right. WYSIWYG editing system right. by its dynamic nature has to have a fairly complex user interface. Sure it does. And to make an interface that is at the get-go accessible merely adds to the complexity, adds to the cost, sure it does. delays the development, and also some of these concepts are not things that can be judged in a vacuum a priori. Okay. Some of them have to have field trials. Yes. And in the field, the same argument runs in reverse, unfortunately. Thank you. <clears throat> that is, most of the Braille is currently prepared by certified transcribers. Most blind people are certified proofreaders, not certified transcribers. I do know a few, though. And, of course, I do not support that distinction whatsoever. Right. Um, uh, I guess I could support the notion of, of making it hard to be a certified proofreader if you're not blind, because proofreading <laughs> is, a, is a consumer type skill. Sure, yeah. But I do not support the notion that that would in any way make it difficult to become a certified blind transcriber. But the reality is that that most of the certified transcribers 
are in fact sighted uh, people. Right. And it is still the case that there is a premium on quality textbook transcription using certified uh, strategies. Sure. You know, following BANA formats. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a, a few pockets trying to relax all of that. I think at the detriment of of education of blind students. There is there is a well established understanding, not universal but well established, that formats format consistency is more important for the younger child and is perhaps less important for the older child who can learn to adapt to mm. sloppy format. Sure. And you get up to college age and the notion of formats and, and precision transcriptions is almost non-existent anyway. Right. So there's there's a gradation. But and that there, is there totally are, logical to there's, me. There's yeah. some forces <laughs> afoot. Uh, this digital revolution in which school systems are now considering not buying print copies of textbooks at all. Yeah. And giving all students a a Kindle-like reading device, and then they turn around and say, "Let's do that for Braille also. Let's feed, let's let's load up the big memory on a Braille note and dump the whole textbook out that way. Never mind that we have no tactile graphics anymore. Never mind that we have no tables anymore." Never mind that you can't understand Ouch. the math formula without memorizing it on a one-line display. Right, right. Never this is really problematic. Never mind equal wow. access and well, equal education. Yeah. Wow. So I do not approve such such extreme notions because the sighted digital child is not, in fact, limited to a one-line Kindle. They have a page view Kindle, or equivalent, and. Uh, and so there, there are forces at work that are tending to use technology to reduce the richness of the experience for the blind child. And I cannot support those forces. Neither can I. <laughs> uh, so so we're, we're, you know, the real world is such that, yeah. that some of these concepts do need to become proven in a cost-effective way. And that usually means they start out without the most robust accessibility notions. Okay. But that must be a transitory effect. And once the concepts are solidified, then I think everybody should be encouraged, prodded, uh, <laughs> berated, etc. <laughs> until we achieve equal opportunity, equal access. Alrighty. Uh, Braille 2000 is along that curve. It has not reached the final endpoint. No. And as I said, it was a pleasant surprise to me when I got this assessment saying that Braille 2000 happens to be more user-friendly for the person who needs the accessibility than its competitor. Awesome. Because I had not had any way to evaluate that in a meaningful way. Because I just didn't have access to, in this case, high school seniors 
that are, are being served by the Foundation for Blind Children. And I think I said already that, that their program is training them on how to make direct use of Braille 2000 so that when they go to college and Braille materials are not uh, provided under federal law to them, that if they want to, they could help themselves prepare some of their own materials. Right. And uh, and of course, you know, some things are easier to do than others. We know that that's that's a uh, an imperfect world. But uh, it had never occurred to me that it would be important to teach high school seniors who are blind how to use Braille 2000. Eventually, I would like to be able to offer them a a tool that is uh, even better than what they're doing through JAWS. Awesome. So I, I approve of your point of view, <laughs> but I would have you uh, temper it with reality uh, without abandoning it. Well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm stating the ideal. I, you know, sometimes I'm kind of an idealist, so... Um, but I do understand reality. Like yep, I have an ideal point of view, but I have a pragmatic implementation. Yep, is what keep, I think. Keep the ideal; it's on track. Yeah. Just don't tr don't ever throw the baby out with the bathwater. Oh, okay. I, I will try to keep that in mind. We have to. We have to evolve <laughs> to the ideal. Yeah. And there are and there are profound market forces. Yeah. That I have already told you about. Yep. That uh, that make some of the steps along the way quite reasonable and, and not deserving of attack as long as they are not taken as the endpoint. Gotcha. Um, so if somebody wants to learn more about um, Braille 2000, uh, where, what can they do? Where can they go? There is a website, www.braille2000.com. There is a library there of accessible PDF files that describe it. You can download Braille 2000 software. Uh, Braille 2000 is un is unique in many dimensions. I already told you the the simultaneous print and Braille approach, and the fact that the print is laid out like the Braille, so that a parent or a teacher can have an intuitive concept of preparing Braille materials without having to study up, you know, add you know add vague styles and incantations like Duxbury is famous for. Uh, but Braille 2000 is also unique in that the software itself is public. Oh. To use it fully, you do have to buy a license. Uh, the license can be bought outright or leased by the month. Uh, it is a specialty software that has relatively low uh, commercial volumes, hence higher fees because of its low volume nature. Uh, to buy the top-of-the-line Braille 2000 costs $949, but that comes with lifetime free updates, and that is very popular. People want their tools to stay up to date, and if they have a problem, they want to be able to either see that it's fixed just because other people have reported it, or to report it and get a fix, and not to have to pay for it, and that's the way Braille 2000 works. You can also lease the software for $26 a month, no minimum number of months, and there is a, uh, a, uh, a program in which part of that money is refunded if you later buy the software, so it's even sweeter deal than that. There you go, okay. But anybody who wants to evaluate the system can get the software 
from the website at no charge, but it will not do production braille because without any license, at the moment you try to produce the end product, in other words, take the braille and emboss it, okay. or take the braille and feed it to a braille note, sure. or move it to another program by putting it on the clipboard, in other okay. words, taking the work product out of Braille 2000. Right. When you do that in unlicensed software, at that moment, it will overwrite the word demo in Braille twice per page, randomly. Gotcha. So it will it will just lightly spoil the work product yeah. to encourage people to buy a license. Sure. Couldn't be in business otherwise. Sure. But until then, the free software and the licensed software, which is the same software, just with or without a license, <coughs> uh, doesn't, doesn't invade your space at all. You okay. can fully evaluate it. And if you want to be sure that your embosser works with it, and it does support all the embossers, uh, you can actually emboss. It's just when you do that, you get demos sprinkled in there. The license for Braille 2000 is also unique in that it has been designed to be portable. So uh, if you use it for personal use, it probably doesn't make any difference. But if you're a, a VI teacher and you're assigned to serve different Braille school students in different school buildings in your school system, and you have a little workroom in each school where you have a bosser and a computer, you don't have to buy Braille 2000 for each school. You can buy one copy of Braille 2000, you can buy one license, and because the software is public, you can install Braille 2000 in each workroom you have in the school system. And the license can be packaged in a flash drive, and you can carry it with you. Ah. The license can also be served through the internet. And again, you could use it at, at school number one in the morning, and you can use the same license at school number two in the afternoon. Just as long as one person at a time is, is using it, It'll work right? at one computer at a time. Right. But, but either when it's packaged in a flash drive or when it's on the network, once you leave that, that computer, you may use the same license someplace else. Gotcha. So it is cost effective, and it is it fits more the way a big school system supports its students. Totally and of course, it will work equally well if you buy a personal copy, or if a parent buys a copy, or if a Braille production center buys lots of copies. Um, it works fine. Braille awesome. 2000 is used at APH, it's used at Braille Institute, it's used at Alberta Education in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, it's used in Puerto Rico, it's used in Hong Kong. Wow. Uh, it, is, it is often used because it is more intuitive than its competition. Great. Well, thank you uh, very much, Bob, for your time this afternoon. It's nice of you to be interested.